is of, of how you, you know, got connected and you know, how you got to this particular point in your journey. And I was uh, doing some work on my car yesterday, and my neighbor just pulled up and said, good afternoon, and I was able to invite him along to Alpha. And it was, you know, it, uh, I, you always have to take a deep breath before you ask someone. But, you know, again, you know, as has happened so many times, when I, when I put it to the guy, and Fliss and I, funny enough, we'd been praying that morning. We said, we really need to ask this guy. And there he was at the end of my uh, drive just chatting, and I said, how about doing this? We thought of you this morning. And... Do you know, he didn't sort of dismiss it or rubbish it. He, he said, well, what time is it? He said, yeah, well, I'm coming down from Loughborough then, but I guess I could get. And so he's working out how he can be there. I, I just pray that this guy will come. And I, I'm, I'm saying that so that you don't let this announcement roll over your head. So that you actually think, well, who, actually, who do I know who could really do with a dose of the love of God? Is there anyone you know? Hand up if you know somebody who could do with a dose of the love of God. Well, heck, you know. Come on, let's invite them. And, and, you know, you'll be surprised that people will say yes when you thought they'd probably say no. Don't say their no for them. Let them say no, okay? Well, this year, we've, uh, we've started off well. It's been an exciting year. Actually, I, I do want to just say something before we get into this. Um, it's, on, it's on our heart to, to make a gift for the humanitarian relief in Gaza. And uh, actually... Uh, Roger Chisnell, who heads up our Just Action group, is checking out a, a little Christian charity that's actually on the spot. So we may make a gift to them, but if not, we'll, we'll give it to one of the NGOs or something like that. But just to say that, you know, we, we have budget to do that. But if you, for, for whatever reason, feel that you would like to make a little contribution to that, would you send it into the office? Uh, having said that, this week's going to be a little awkward. The whole of our team are away at our National Leaders Conference, so you won't get much joy from the office this week. But I, I'm just flagging that. On your behalf, we are going to make a gift for humanitarian relief in Gaza. But if for whatever reason you want to, as I say, particularly and personally chip into that, you know, just send it in, mark clearly, you know, at Gaza, and we'll make sure it gets out there. All right? Let's just pray for that situation. Father, we are so grateful that there is a ceasefire, but we are appalled. We're appalled, Lord God, at the humanitarian disaster that is now facing that nation. Our hearts already and do and, of course, go out to, Israeli, to, to, the, to the Israeli nation and the, uh, and the difficulties and death that they've experienced over these last few years. But at this moment... It's appropriate that our hearts go out towards Gaza and the Palestinian people. And we pray that our gift will find its way into the stomachs and, uh, and hospitals and homes of those who need it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've got so much to be thankful for. And in fact, before I get into this, and we're going to watch a bit of a... We're going to show a film this morning, and more than just a moment. Just take stock. Think to yourself, you know, what have I got to give thanks for? And then turn to your neighbor now, lean across a chair or two if you're not sat next to me, just say, this is what I've got to give thanks for. Let's just do that. Let's do that now. One, then the other, quickly. There we go. Okay. We've reminded ourselves on more than one occasion this year already that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, and just looking at you guys, just sharing those little, little moments of, of, yeah, well, I've got this to give thanks for. I'm sure there's lots of things that may well concern you as well, but yeah, I've got this to give thanks for. I can see smiles all over this room. You know, the Word of God says that actually as, as we give thanks, it generates joy. Psalm 105, and we're going to have this just come up on the screen, says this, opening five verses, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. You know, direct your thanks towards someone. If you're a believer, as most, not all, but most of us here would be, well, then you know you can thank God for the blessings in your life. If, if you're not on that place, in that place yet, if you're just considering it, if you're here because you're, that's, this is part of your exploration, well then, you know, still it's good for you to give thanks and to, as my grandma used to say, count your blessings. It's a good thing to do. It, it, it lifts the spirit. And by gum, we have got so much to give thanks for. But Psalm 105 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. This is a great sort of mandate for life. It's a great thing to sort of type out and tuck in your wallet and pull out from time to time. Because for me, it recalibrates me. You know, we're all busy. We're all facing challenges. We all have concerns. We all have job issues. We have family issues. We have relationship issues. We have finance issues. Man, there's enough issues to sink a battleship. But actually, it's good to recalibrate ourselves, to, to, to just dial up within us that spirit of thanksgiving. And of course, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can direct it towards him. Now, last year, as many of you, you, you know, we, we celebrated our 20th anniversary. And, and in some ways, this is, is just kind of um, adding a full stop to, to that. But... Ten years ago, we celebrated our 10th anniversary, and we produced a wonderful glossy brochure. And the guys did a fantastic job of it. I've still got it now. And uh, it was just a wonderful way of reminding ourselves of where we had come, what God had done for us. And it, it caused, it, I think it set us up for the next 10 years. You thought, yeah, God is in the house. Yeah, God has actually done something. And, and so when we were considering the 20th anniversary, and some of you will, will remember me relating this story to you, we thought, well, okay, let's bring and produce another brochure. And then somebody, I, I can't remember who it was on the staff team, said, well, hey, haven't we just moved on a little bit from, from paper now? Do we have to kill another hundred trees? And we went, oh, okay then. And they said, no, well, we, we ought to do a film. I mean, we've got gifts and skills in our, in our community here. We can, we can give thanks through film. We can tell the story and we can, you know, we can cast vision. And as this person was telling that, I thought, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Little did I know it was going to take as long as it took. Little did I know it was going to take literally hundreds of hours. And I was going to be having to send great big bouquets of flowers to the wives and family of everyone concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, and we showed, we showed a clip on December the 5th when John Mumford, the leader of our movement, was here. It was a taster. But finally, I am delighted to say to you that we have finished this film. As a, it's, a, it's a tribute to what God has done. 
what he is doing and what we hope and aspire to in the future. And, and I want to do this up front rather than at the end because I'm, I'm thinking it might lead into a little bit of worship and ministry. But I want to, to please just ask you to join me thanking everyone involved, but in particular, Graham Pollard and Trevor Mar. Graham, would you mind standing? I think, is Trevor in the house? I'm not sure, but please just stand up. Just give these guys a clap. I mean, you guys amaze me. A lot of people were involved in this, and uh, that, that we as a church community should have these skills. So, so I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to run this. It takes about 24, 25 minutes, and then we'll wind up with some worship or something. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you because uh, you are enabling us to engage with the technology and, and culture of the day and use it, Lord God, to tell that ageless story of your love and your compassion and your mercy. And now, Lord God, as we, as we consider, as we, as we watch this movie and hear the story told again, Lord, may it cause faith, joy, and thanksgiving to rise up with us. And may we see how we can use it in future. So, Lord, we commit it to you and all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. This thing has been driven by God. All along, it's been driven by God. We were passionate about contemporizing the gospel. Even in those earliest days, we were working to a plan. We knew God wanted to build a big church. To make it plain and simple for those that haven't written God off, but who have written church off. And it was to be an equipping church. It was to be a sending church. It was to be a serving church. And right from those early days, that's what we were committed to doing. Great place, great people, uh, great donuts, great pastors, uh, great teaching, great worship. Uh, that's it, it's great. It's great. Okay, it's good. It's all from you. It's all from you. When we lived in Harrogate, we uh, had a wonderful life. Uh, we had everything that people normally long for and dream for. We had a fantastic house. We had money. We had a jewellery business at the time, which was going really well. Into that equation comes our little bundle of joy, Noelle, our first daughter. And as with many parents, uh, we considered and talked through how we wanted to raise her. And that raised a question for me, which was, what place faith and religion in all of this. Everything was, was good about our life, but there was something missing, although we didn't really know it at the time, um, which was God. Uh, I was planning to open up a shop in York. We already had one in Harrogate, and I was going to cut my partner out, stab him in the back, run with the money, and, and basically beat the poor bloke to a pulp. And uh, in the midst of that, the shop, the retail unit that we were going for in York suddenly became unavailable. So I'm thinking about 
faith on behalf of my daughter. I'm trying to increase and, and improve and expand my business and suddenly this shot falls through and I get into, into my head that, that actually God is meddling into my, in my life. One day Chris had this sense that God was calling him and uh, to me I had, I had no idea what was going on in his, in his mind. God had not featured in my life. The idea that he actually had plans for my life, which were not consistent with my plans for my life, was very scary and actually made me very angry initially. It was during that time um, that we really uh, found out there was, there was more to life than the kind of life that we had. But the thought was this. Well, there really are only a couple of things that Christians do, and that's either they become vicars or they become missionaries. And I, I was appalled at the idea of becoming a It was obviously a spiritual awakening, and uh, so Chris and I were both in the same place. They didn't quite know what to make of me. I remember going to my first interview to become a vicar, and uh, I, I said, well, I've got this business, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and, uh, you know, but I think God may be calling me to be a vicar. Well, the guy I was talking to was the, one of the, the canons at Ripon Cathedral, and he said, uh, now, what's your name again? Because this was a telephone conversation. I said, it's Chris Lane. He said, I don't know the name, but I'm pretty good at faces. Where do you sit in the cathedral? I said, well, I don't go to church. So the guy said, so, so we, excuse me, you, you feel called to be a vicar, but you don't go to church. I said, no, is that a good idea? <laughs> We went away to Theological College in, in Nottingham, and that was a very rich time. And then suddenly, one day, I found myself in Ripon Cathedral, being ordained as a deacon. So I came out of there with a, with a dog collar, and arriving at our first parish as a curate uh, in Holbeck and Beeston, inner city Leeds. And man, was life colourful. But during that time, there was still something that I think was niggling Fliss and myself, and it was this sense that, that the ch at the heart of the church, uh, there was the wonderful person of Jesus, and we were hooked on Jesus. And yet we were very aware, coming from outside of the church, that the church was not doing a great job of communicating this, this person of Jesus to the world. And so we felt there must be a way, there must be a better way or another way of trying to communicate that to people. So we had a question, we were carrying a question, and that was quite frankly, can we not do this a better way? Is there, are there other ways that we could explore that might communicate the person of Jesus to our, our, our culture and community? Uh, my father um, went along to a, a church where there was a visiting speaker called John Wimber. We began to hear about uh, an American. I had a bit of a problem with Americans, I have to say. I had a problem with a lot of things in those days. Americans was one of them. And he was praying for the sick, and his church was praying for the sick. This teacher, John Wimber, was very, very humble. Um, he was just an ordinary person. He wasn't, as we'd been as we'd often seen on the TV, American sort of evangelist type of people. He was not like that at all, and that impressed us. Uh, we were blown away 
by the package. The person of Jesus was just the same as we were, we were embracing and loving in the inner city. But the package was so much more contemporary. And this really excited Fliss and myself. We were invited to uh, go on staff at St Andrew's Chorley Wood and uh, we did that. We were there for two years and while we were there we went to a conference in America. We decided we wanted to go and check this out properly for ourselves and um, I remember distinctly feeling as though God was saying to me, this is the way, walk in it. In the midst of all of this, we got another phone call out of the blue. And it was this character, this American, John Wimber, ringing us to say, I hear you're thinking of church planting. Would you like to come over and, and meet me? I'd like to talk with you. We'll pay. So I thought, this is incredible. Uh, I said, can I ring you back in 20 minutes? And so I, I, talk, I, I spoke to Fliss and... Uh, uh, and Fliss reminded me that I promised the kids that the next time I went to America, America we, we'd take all the kids with us. And I thought, oh my goodness, we've got no money or anything. So I rang back and, and, and spoke to John, uh, John Wimber's PA and I said, look, we'd love to come, but there is a slight problem and it's this. Can we bring the whole family, but we can't afford to bring them? And so the PA said, well, well how many of you are there? I said, six. <laughs> So, so he said, um, I'll get back to you. Anyway, this was a bit of a kind of a test. Oh, God, if you're really in this, please let the whole family go, because if the whole family's not on board with this, well, then we can't do this. And anyway, the call came back, and John Wimber apparently roared with laughter when he heard and said, bring them all over, bring the whole tribe over, come on. So it was very generous. The upshot of that visit was that we had a long conversation with John Wimber, and he, he listened to our story, at the end of it, once again, kind of chuckled away and said, well, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that, in my experience, you are called to church planting. The next thing that he said, though, was the bad news. And he looked at me and he said, Chris, the trouble is, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know the questions to ask, and you will probably fail if you leave and church plant now. By this time, several years into Anglican ministry, uh, all of our money had been spent on, on, on just going through the training and, and, and we had very little in the way of resources. But then John said something else. He said, I tell you what, we'll pay for you to come back over here. You can spend a year with us. We'll give you our very best in terms of training and, and, and input as far as church planning is concerned. And then at the end of it, we'll have another conversation. Maybe you'll be a vineyard, maybe you won't. But let's, let's have you come over here and we'll train you and, uh, and then we'll see. It was a big upheaval for us, but it was what we felt God was calling us to. And it was while we were there that uh, we were trained up, basically, to church plant, even though... We didn't know we were definitely going to come back and church plant, but we got the training and we were able to work out a plan and, you know, five-year plan, which uh, has probably taken us at, at 20 years to get halfway through, but uh, it, was a, it was a really good training ground. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your heart 
next thing, we are the St Albans Vineyard, one of the first three vineyards in the UK. And there's basically Fliss, myself, four kids and a hamster called Fred, and we are the St Albans Vineyard. Life was really, really busy and really hectic and, and really pressured, and we had some very tough times. But it was, it was also very exciting because we had a purpose. The shock was quite something. And yet, you know, we, we, we knew what to do, we knew how to begin. We worshipped together, I, I played a few you know, chords on the guitar, we prayed together, we studied God's word and we tried to be good neighbours. And that, that was really how we began the church. The family were all on board with us and um, we, we met loads and loads of people, we did lots of events, gathering events. and were able to explain to people what we were doing. Um, it, was a, it was a fantastic opportunity. And we used to meet in the middle of the week and we used to worship, look at God's word and pray for one another. There was one um, couple that started coming to church. Uh, she came first on her own, Linda. And uh, about a year later, uh, her husband John came. And uh, they're now Linda's on staff and, and John's very much involved and together they run our ministry teams and it's just been amazing to see them do the journey with us. You know, we, we felt that God was calling us to be a large church so we kept casting that vision and that was important because we knew that as the church began to grow so people would have to, as I, as I call it, shuffle along the bench to make room for new people. It couldn't just be this cosy little group that got to know one another. We had to always be making room for new people and trying to communicate with relevance, with a sensitivity to the culture, and as clearly as possible, making Jesus the main thing and the plain thing. You're the Many years we rented school buildings and had a, a little vineyard centre and then finally we were offered this wonderful facility. It wasn't so wonderful then though, it was a, a car body workshop and people were using it for all sorts of car mechanics and the rest of it. In fact it was in a sorry state but we put a new roof on it, we put new padding on the walls and then we thought what can we do with the inside? We thought well, do we just fill it with chairs and turn it into a church? We thought no, let's do something different. We wanted to make it familiar. We put a huge great glass door so that people could see into the place and then as we look in the center of this we thought let's get a food court feel let's see if we can't get that kind of sense of a you know a health club uh, something that is familiar to people who aren't used to church again this is a very important space for us as you can see it's full of life there's a lot of buzz people enjoy hanging out here it's a great place to bring your friends as perhaps a, a first step before actually going to something religious and, th and that's the vision and the feel that we that we we wanted to achieve i need you like the rain worship's always been a massive part of the the vineyard movement um, and I think, I think the main reason is it's just such a powerful tool uh, that really leads people um, into, a, into a 
real relationship with God. God has sent us great musicians. It's all right having all the kit and the, all the paraphernalia, but if you've not got those musicians with a heart for worship, who are passionate uh, and, and humble in the use of their gifts, really not a lot's going to happen. I think it's just making it really good quality. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a dip in quality from um, the music you listen to on your way to church and then you get out of your car and come in. They shouldn't, you shouldn't suddenly go back a couple of centuries. It should be the same. The, the song Beautiful that Sam Lane wrote was, was being released and we all knew it was a really good song. I mean, we loved it. It was a beautiful worship song. So, but it really just came out of real sort of desperation, need for God to do something more in my life. Also in, at Burn and in St Albans. It always seems that the best, you know, the best songs seem to be the easiest ones to write. high values has been to try and build a really good children's ministry and youth ministry. We always felt that if we were going to do children's ministry, it needed to be more than just a babysitting circle. It needed to be uh, the best hour of these kids' week. Really so important that the children have a good experience when they go to church and that the teenagers do. We have purpose-built rooms for tiny ones through to about the age of 11. And the little ones, they have all the sort of baby stuff that you'd expect. Some people walk in and they say, oh, this is like a nursery. We have someone come in and do worship with them and they study the Bible in an age-appropriate way. From the beginning, we've always felt that church planting was the best way to tell people about Jesus. We've always been passionate about church planting. Having done it once, obviously we've become converts to the whole model and we've been keen to see other people uh, go out and plant new churches. We wanted to be part of that encouragement that we received early on. We've sent out people, I think we've done six or seven church plants from here over the years. Um, some of our best people, some of the people that we had on staff with us who were really helping us to build this church uh, we've sent out and they've started their own churches but we've, we've, we've loved doing that and uh, God's always brought new people to us. As well as that of course there's our, our community work, uh, our folk are involved in all sorts of areas of ministry and outreach throughout the city. Uh, we've uh, been involved with the homeless, uh, we have current uh, community action groups, we're involved in uh, in a simple ministry called Willing Cooks, for example. So I thought we could easily do something like Feed, which is just buy a little bit more and give a little bit more. Essentially, for me, it's very much on the heart of God um, that, uh, you know, Jesus said, if you see someone um, and you feed them, you fed me. If you give someone a glass of water in my name, you've given me one. So um, we're helping out people, but essentially we're serving Jesus. We're also involved overseas and we've had a long-standing relationship in India, uh, in uh, Chennai with Pastor Moses and the House of Hope Orphanage there. We uh, sponsor a health centre there. We've bought land so that they can build an orphanage and a school there. We've built a, a huge uh, community centre in Govindapur.
Forum and we have uh, sponsored church plants there. And then there's our work in Romania and also a new uh, ministry that we're excited about. We've uh, this year sent a team out to South Africa where we, we work with Habitat for Humanity and, and built a home inside a week for a, a, a township family there. I thought this is so like God to give the best to the poorest people in the world. And I've seen that again and again and I love it. I think it's the amazing thing that God does, the way he provides for the poor. This passion for Jesus, this outward-looking focus is something that literally hundreds of people are embracing now, and it makes it very exciting. Even though we've been here 20 years, um, and it is a milestone, and we thank God for it. We thank God for everything that he's done here uh, over those 20 years. Uh, it does still feel as though we are still still going we're still in the middle of something um, we haven't finished at all it pretty much feels like uh, we're just beginning I mean I know we're 20 years but uh, it just feels like we're just taking our first steps we want to see um, people being saved here and, and people finding a, a real real uh, relationship with God and a new life and... you know what the love of God compels us to go on and and you know we've done some church planting in the past we've enjoyed that that's been exciting and now at this stage it's not a case of resting on our laurels we've really just got to keep pushing on in there there are so many out there that need God's love there's so many that we believe would connect with our vineyard way of doing church but beyond that we want to start planting some satellite congregations strawberry plants if you like uh, if, if you take that imagery where there's a central mother plant and then there's little runners that go out and, and some plants that sort of begin to develop at the end of that, that kind of idea, that kind of image where we begin to seed out into surrounding communities and towns. And then beyond that, of course, there's that thing we've always been doing, the church planting. We want to see another 12 churches by 2020. It's a huge vision, but in a church like this, which has so many resources and so many gifted people, unless we set high and important possible dream type visions we're just not going to be stretching ourselves enough so lead on Lord Jesus lead on as I take stock at this 20th anniversary of, of where we are and how far we've come uh, I am moved and excited and and thrilled by what I see happening in this place. But as I consider the last 20 years and consider the next 20 years, it's God's faithfulness in the past that gives me faith for the future. atmosphere, easy to come into. And it's a really welcoming place to be. I absolutely just love the, the sense of community and the family. And well, it's a nice place and people are friendly. It's just a great, lively church to come to. It's like full of people our own age. And I like walking in. I like the shape. Uh, we love it. It's um, very friendly. We love the worship. I like the balcony. I like people of all ages, children, teenagers, and people my age. Very, very nice loads of energy and like the worship and stuff and it's just like really good fun you meet loads of really cool people 
the, the community, a sense of community. Yeah. It's a really informal way to meet God. Um, it's not. It's a lot different from the old churches. I can find the talks really thought-provoking. Give me stuff to chew over. The message is, is beautiful. I like the, the setup of it. I like you know the fact that I can come as I am. I come to Vineyard because I know that God is in this place. I love the way we do ministry. That's uh, praying for each other and serving each other. I love God and also because of the people. To come here and just be accepted and be welcome with open arms is amazing. You can have a chat, have coffee, get the message, worship God. Everybody's so real. Everybody's just so friendly. And they're not like like horrible. They're nice. We love Chris and Fliss. Can we say that? Because <laughs> they've been here right with us all through our own ups and downs. If I had to sum it up, I invented some bits like him. Yeah, it's great. Having a nice time, actually. It's like a little family for me. It's great. I love it. But most especially, the donuts are fabulous. And when it's your birthday, you get to have a dip in the birthday bag. What do you think? That was great, wasn't it? Wow. Feels like maybe God's doing something here after all. Wow, that's a relief. Let's have the worship team up. I think I really feel that you know the most appropriate response is if we just worship together. But as they come up, I, I want to just um, really finish with a little verse of scripture and, and uh, we'll have it up on the screen. And it's out of Ephesians chapter three, chapter three, verse twenty. And this is the thing I think that's that's you know inspiring us and driving us forward. It's a prayer. It's a blessing. It's vision. It's it's all of the above. And it's this. Paul says, "Now to him, and that's Jesus, of course. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him." Be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, and throughout all generations. That's us, folks, forever and ever. Amen. You know, one of the things the Lord's really been laying on our hearts and mine, it seems particularly since the beginning of the new year, is the sense that Father's got something else up his sleeve that we ain't done yet. And in fact, although he has blessed us with a certain vision and let us in on that secret and praise God and please God, we're seeing that unfold still. There's stuff that we haven't imagined yet that we're not even asking for because he's, he's got a twinkle in his eye. He's got something up his sleeve that he wants to work out through us in his church, through his church, in this world and throughout the world. And there's this little, little, little kind of promise in there that as we present ourselves before him, as we seek him, he'll let us in on the secret. I don't know about you, but I want to be let in on his secrets. Don't you? I know I do. Let's just pray. 
Father, we are just so overwhelmed with gratitude that you brought us safely to this point of time. And we pray, Lord God, that you would continue to work in us and through us, that you would unfold what's on your heart for us to do, that we would not hinder you or get under your feet, trip you up, but that we, Lord God, would have the privilege of running alongside you and seeing what you can do in this 21st century. And everyone said, Amen. Sam, why don't we all stand?